0: Our reading comes from St Luke chapter 13 verse 1 uh, verse 10 to 17. That's on page 1046. On. 1046. Chapter 13 verse 10 to 17. On the Sabbath, on a Sabbath, Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues, and the woman was there who had been crippled by a spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not straighten up at all. When Jesus saw her, he called her forward and said to her, Woman, you are set free from your infirmity. Then he put his hands on her, and immediately she straightened up and praised God. Indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, the synagogue leaders said to the people, There are six days for work, so come and be healed on those days, not on the Sabbath. The Lord answered him, You hypocrites! Doesn't each one of you on the Sabbath untie your ox or donkey from the stall and lead it out to give to give it water? Then should not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has kept bound for 18 long years, be set free on the Sabbath day from what bound her? When he say this, all his opponents were humiliated but the people were delighted with all the wonderful things he was doing. There ends our reading. Please keep your Bibles open.
1: So thanks, Josh. for reading. We're going to have a look at that reading in a moment and to come at it asking this question. What will bring you to praise day and night? What will create that kind of effect on you? So, for example, what will bring you to praise this evening while we're here together? What will make it happen for you? Now, it may be that you're saying, hey, that's easy. be different answers for different people. there be some people who just love uh, a relaxing group of friends. That's what we are. Brilliant to be together. I like coming for that reason. Other people might say, oh, I just love the music. Concert uh, grade pianist. Uh, and I love the drums. Uh, and, and all the other bits and pieces. Other people might say, well... This time of day I get peckish. I love the food that they get afterwards. I come here for that reason. Now you might think, okay, different people, different reasons. But if you look at this passage in verse 17, everybody, everybody is praising God together. Not just some for this, some for that, but they're all praising God And we're going to understand why. And we're going to look at why under three headings. One, compassion. Two, Sabbath. And third, praise. Most of the time on compassion. And then snap, snap, Sabbath and praise. Okay? Let's start with compassion. And you can see in verse 10 that... um, The day and the time is given. It's a Sabbath. And the place is given. It's in one of the synagogues. And then you're introduced to person number one. It's a woman. She's crippled. And, well, it's serious. It's serious because Luke says there is a spiritual reason for it. Now you might say, ah, that's because the Bible is primitive and they all thought that illness had a spirit behind it. No, Luke is a doctor and he reports other healings and he doesn't say that that's got a spirit behind it, but for this one, there is that connection. It is serious. Uh, She's had it for uh, not just got spiritual roots, but she's had it for 18 years and counting. So there's no way in which she's going to get better. If if there was, she would have got better by now. There's not much hope for her either. And then thirdly, well, it stopped her being human. She's bent double. She can't be like any other ordinary human being. That's what's been taken away from her, if you like. And when the Bible tells us these details, it's not just to say, right, okay, that's fine, yeah, we've clocked that, now let's go on to the next verse. It is because we're meant to feel what it must have been like for her. It's to help us to feel compassion for someone like this. In our last church, Uh, before we left, actually many, many years ago, there was a lady who was bent double. And because of the pain that she was in, she was usually bad-tempered, and so people kept away from her. She was therefore a very lonely person. Her house was a mess, because she wasn't mobile to make it clean. And it even affected her digestive system. And this is in our day when there are so many painkillers to help. Whereas for this lady, there was no such help. We're meant to feel the compassion and feel what it was like for a person like that. And Jesus does that. He is the next person you meet. And uh, when Jesus saw her in verse 12... He called her forward and said to her, Woman, you are set free from your infirmity. Then he put his hands on her. And immediately she straightened up and started praising God. Now she might have been in a world of her own when she walked into the synagogue. And she may not even have seen him. But he takes the initiative. He comes across. He touches her. And he looks after her. That's what compassion does. But then in verse 14 you meet the next one, the synagogue leader. And to be honest, it's a different reaction. It's good for us to see somebody with no compassion. He gets angry, doesn't he? And it's important that we understand that these guys in the Bible, the bad guys, if you like, are not meant to be seen as the sort of bad guys in a panto. When you see a bad person in the panto, you boo, you hiss, and you're clearly not on his side. When the Bible tells us about a person like this, it's much more healthy for us and humble for us to say, Now, I'm a bit like that, aren't I? And these people are put in front of us as mirrors to see what we're like, not to get us to boo and hiss. And when I look at this synagogue leader, I begin to see there are three ways in him where he looks just like me. First... He loves his rules more than he loves the lost. You see him in verse 14, six days for work. These are the rules. Come and get healed on any one of them. Instead, he's talking to the crowd. He's a bit of a card, isn't he? He's not talking to Jesus, who did the healing. You know what it's like, don't you, when you've got a handful of kids in the supermarket and just at that moment in time they're picking off Everything from the sheriff, and you're kind of busy trying to smack their hands and stop them. And a loud voice comes down the same aisle that says, Ha, children these days just don't know how to behave. And you know exactly who they're talking to. In fact, I heard those words word for word on Monday, not in a supermarket this time, in Campsie Road. Trouble with children, they don't know how to behave. I didn't have the heart to point out the person who was talking to me that actually one of her children wasn't hadn't been speaking to her for the last seven years. Children are difficult. Abigail accepted. So uh, it's the thing, isn't it, that actually, yeah, we, we tend to have our rules and we get miffed if someone comes and breaks them. But for crying out loud... He's the synagogue leader. Look, that's like being her vicar. He's seen her struggle for eighteen years. Every time she's walked in through the door, he's been round to her house and he's seen the tears come to her eyes every time he's asked her, "How are you?" And yet she's kept on coming to synagogue, and she's here. She's loyal. She's back again. You'd think he'd be the second happiest man in the story, wouldn't he? But no, his rules have been broken, and he isn't happy. And you know, I can be a bit like that too. Well, more than a bit. I would live in a perfect world where if people were going to come and find out about God, they'd stop sleeping around, they'd stop working on the Sabbath, they'd stop shopping on the Sabbath, they'd stop playing football on the Sabbath, they'd be here finding about God. So much easier if it was like that. Ah, but if somebody is walking towards me in the park smoking a joint but they're breaking the rules, aren't they? And I don't want to know. You see? That's how I am as well. God has put us in a mission field filled with broken people and we want to run out of the mission field as fast as we can. If we love our rules more than we love the lost and the broken people don't keep the rules. And it doesn't seem that God does either. Second reason I'm like this guy When I love my possessions more than I love people. You see that, don't you, with this guy? He loves his animals in verse 15. Jesus points it out. It's a bit like uh, the seals that tug at our hearts in that little film clip we saw. The Lord answered, you hypocrites, each one of you on the Sabbath unties your ox or donkey from the store, leads it out to give it water. You care for your animals, don't you? Incidentally, notice, hypocrites in the plural. So we can't just simply say, hey, that's just one synagogue leader. No, there's a whole lot more people like him. So hypocrites is the plural. Jesus has widened the application of what he's saying. And he says that uh, uh, the animals count more. So serious Sabbath keeping, oh yes, until it affects me. And my ox. Then it's a different story. And I begin to think, actually, I'm a bit like that too, aren't I? I Give me a choice between going door to door on the estate and going for a walk with my dog and my wife. Actually, probably it's the other way around, but I think I'd know which one I'd choose for relaxing Sunday afternoon. I like the animals more than I like the lost. And thirdly, he was pretty blind to Satan's bondage. Jesus sees behind the crippling thing in verse 16 and sees that Satan has kept her bound for 18 long years. We don't see the second bit. We see the cripple. We see the person, if they came in through the door, we'd say, oh, poor dear, let's get her a seat. Paul, can you go and put the kettle on? We'll look after her. We see that level of need. We don't see the chains. That tie, that person, that drag, that they drag around everywhere they go. Which is what every single person has unless Jesus has freed them. We see the outside. We don't see more than that. If only I can look across when I'm sitting down on the tube and I see the face in front of me maybe with their headphones on or reading paper, if only I could see next to their face a snapshot of the despair that is flashing across their eyes as they hear the words, depart from me. Spoken by the Lord Jesus. And see the full implications of that. If only I had a snapshot of that moment. Next to them. I'd feel more compassion. I'd want to plead with God. I'd want to plead with them. But most of the time. I'm blind. When I ought to feel. Compassion. I said I'd uh, take a time on that, but let's go on to the Sabbath and uh, see very quickly how uh, Jesus is, is in the Sabbath. It is the last time he'll be in the Sabbath, but you might remember the first time he went. The first time he went the Sabbath, if you were around back then when we were at the start of Luke, well, that was when he went to a synagogue and he read out a bit from the prophet Isaiah. And he said, the Spirit of the Lord is on me to proclaim liberty to the captives. I've come to bring freedom, he said. And the Sabbath day was the perfect day to make that announcement because the Sabbath day was the day God rested. That doesn't mean he did nothing. It means that in the end he showed people what his eternal rest was going to be like. The Sabbath was all about putting in front of people the rest of God in heaven so the sabbath was never a question of doing nothing it was a foretaste of the future it was doing everything you could to give people a taste, a whiff of heaven so it was a totally sabbath thing to do to let this woman out of her captivity, out of her crippling condition it was a totally sabbath thing to do to explain how God is full of compassion and it's a totally sabbath thing to do with God taking the initiative I know this man said hey come and get healed on the other six days actually this woman didn't come to get healed Jesus took the the initiative and he always does because he is so full of compassion. That is why he is on the way to the cross where he will take the initiative to release people from Satan and to one day bring them into his Sabbath rest. It's a wonderful foretaste of the future to see the compassion of God. The alternative is Satan's kingdom where the logo is a person who is crippled, who's had the joy hoover suck their humanity out of them. But the Sabbath is the day, not just when we're anticipating God's future. It's the day when we celebrate God's compassion, which is the guarantee of that future. Where we celebrate how God is compassionate, how he sees lost people. That's what the Sabbath is there for us to do. We come here because we want to celebrate the fact that God is a compassionate God he sees lost people and he takes the initiative to bring his love into their lives he sees people without compassion like the synagogue ruler and he puts his compassion in front of them so they might be changed less hard hearted and be different the Sabbath is a wonderful day for us to see the compassion of God and that is therefore a wonderful day to praise him to notice at the end verse 17 everybody is praising him not because he has healed a crippled woman in verse 14 he does that and she is certainly praising him for his healing. But when you get to verse 17, they're praising him because he has explained to them how God is a compassionate God. So even though they may not have had any major healing of the things that were worrying them when they walked in through the door, nonetheless, massive encouragement to know that God is a God of compassion as they look at this healing and Jesus spells out the compassion implications of what that healing means. So there is a wonderful sense of joy in that uh, Sabbath as they praise him for that. A wonderful sense of uh, understanding Compassion. And that is the reason, if you go back to our first question at the start, that's the reason why we come. That's the reason why we can praise God night and day, because he is such a compassionate God. When people say, when we go around to the housing estate, we meet a Muslim, we are generally in the habit of saying, so tell me, what do you love about Allah? And they're very stuck for answers. Um, and I decided I'd, they've never been able to ask the question, so I thought I'd try and ask the question for them. I opened my Quran, and this week I went and uh, wrote, I thought, I'm going to find out what the Quran tells me about the love of Allah. So I did my work search, there are only, I think, about 77 verses altogether, And most of them tell me who Allah does not love. Uh, So Allah does not love the person who gets it wrong. And when he does get around to tell me how many people Allah loves, and it's a lot less than 77 verses at that point, he always loves the people who make the first move. So if people have done the right thing, Allah will love them. That's the gist of it. Whereas the compassionate love of God is they don't do anything. They're just walking through the door. He's there. You've seen it in action with Jesus and his cripple. And so we come here because we want to find out that there is a compassionate God like that running the world because all the other things that lie to us outside tell us that there is no God of compassion like that. Life hits us again and again and again and we come to think that there's no God of compassion around. That's why we need to make a priority of meeting up like this so that we understand, get it right, get it clear, get it strong in our minds that this God is a God of great compassion. That's why we come. So we can praise him for his compassion even in the rest of the week when the printout is different. So, what does that mean for us today? Well, If you've come round to a church service, you might never been to a church service before, understood about God before, it might please you to hear that God is a God of compassion. You might say, that's definitely good news for me. It may not please you to hear that, actually, until Jesus frees us, we are actually chained to Satan. Bound by him. And we might say, no, no, I'm not buying that. I think it's the other way around. I think when you're not a Christian, you're a free person. It's when you're a Christian that you're bound. The minute we start thinking like that, it shows that well, we're trapped by Satan because we believed his lie that he can bring freedom. Whereas actually it's only in Jesus you can straighten up and be the person that you were made to be, a proper human being, living relationships as they should. Now I think it's right. Whatever problems we might have, if we're not Christians, it's helpful to see actually it's not the problem that is the problem it's the fact that Satan is behind the problem and I'm chained and I'm enslaved and I'm stuck. And I need to be released from him. And we start talking to God in a real way for the matter that really is important. His release from the person that Satan has bound or for the person who Satan has bound. As if you're not used to church, but what happens if you are used to church? But well, I wonder if you feel a bit like me, convicted, that I'm more often like the synagogue leader than I am like Jesus. In other words, I like my rules, I like my possessions, and I generally am blind to what most people need. You might think that's a strange thing for a, a, a church church leader to say it's a very strange thing for a person who's just been around the houses this afternoon to be saying surely you're right, you are looking after people spiritually I think for me the testing point is not when we have our Sunday afternoon when it's in the diary for me to go around and meet people like it is in your diaries too the challenge is in my off duty moments When I'm in the park and I see someone smoking a spiff coming my way, do I pray for them? Do I care for them? Do I feel sorry for them? I think I'm convicted that I'm not. But what happens if I want to be open to the Bible and I want to be open to this God of compassion, how might I be more open to him? I want to suggest the way we do that is by simply making his compassion the real reason for our praise. Yeah, we ask the Muslims, what do you love about Allah? If someone comes and asks us, you're a Christian, what do you love about Jesus? We should be able to say, it is because he is so full of compassion. He is so full of compassion. That's what I love about him. Last week, if you were here... We saw Jesus say some pretty startling things. He said, unless you repent, you too will perish. And we might have been a little bit, whoa, knocked back by that, but now we understand, don't we, that those words come from a man who is full of compassion. It's a compassionate thing to say what Jesus says about eternal issues. So we need to praise him for that. We need to learn to, night and day, Thank God for the amazing God of compassion he is to you personally, as he is to me, as he was to the woman in our story. I'm going to stop there and take questions. Say what you like.